Broadcasting live from the Zimmer Communications World Headquarters. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Get ready, pal. This is Stephanie Bell. You're listening to Wake Up Mid-Missouri. I am joined by producer Hannah. Hello. And John Marsh. Good morning. And, of course, Brian Houseworth. We're getting a lot of folks weighing in on the JCPD story, and it's hilarious. They said, yeah, try that in a small town, (laughs) Um, which I am loving this morning. Uh, I'm really excited to welcome in this morning. You have heard him on our program before, Frank Catanzaro. He is the chairman of the um, Missouri Young Republicans. So, um, Frank, I want to ask you first. Hannah reminded me of this. You had there was a St. Louis Young Republicans. I think it was an event like a barbecue here recently, and there was some pretty intense sparring by some of the candidates. Did you witness all of that? I, I did. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me on. Good morning. How was that received? Uh, yeah, so uh, so along with running the Young Republican Organization for the state of Missouri, I actually run our St. Louis chapter, and uh, we had a huge barbecue we do every year. It's called the Freedom Fest Barbecue. We had it uh, first weekend in October, and, and like you said, Stephanie, there was a little bit of uh, sparring between a couple of our speakers, and that would be uh, Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft and State Senator Bill Eigel, both vying for governor. They kind of did some some heated jabs at one another, and the uh, at one point it just kept going on and on. Uh, I think Senator Eigel was was talking about the foreign uh, the foreign owned land ownership legislation that was pretty contentious in last year's legislative session, and uh, Senator Eigel was kind of poking at Jay Ashcroft, and they were kind of going back with each other. And at one point, the audience even engaged and started heckling uh, Senator Eigel, <laughs> so it got a little heated. We had to. We had to lower the temperature a bit at the event. That's always kind of nerve-wracking when, you're, when your event starts to go off the rails for those that are involved in the planning. But it sounds like you had a good turnout. If you could, can you tell us about kind of the state of the membership? I think you, I think I am officially now aged out. Um, but I know, yeah. uh, you know, I've seen you do some other interviews and you talked about how you've been able to increase membership or that was one of your goals. You know, what's the membership looking like and what are you guys doing to try to draw in younger members? Sure, sure. We're always trying to get more young people engaged with the Republican Party um, as an extension of the Republican Party, the Young Republican Organization. We're all around the country. And here in Missouri specifically, we have six individual chapters across the state, um, St. Louis being our largest uh, in the state, followed by Kansas City. We have some in Springfield, uh, Jefferson City, St. Charles, Sedalia. And we're looking at some newer locations around the state of starting new chapters. Um, overall, we have about 150 members statewide. Um, when I when I took over um, the organization, we uh, we've actually increased that number about 10 percent since February. So, with an overall goal of um, doubling our existing chapters, trying to ensure we get more members out. Our goal is to continue to grow and get more young people engaged. So what is the role of that chapter? We heard, you know, your St. Louis chapter just had this big event. What are the other chapters doing? Sure, sure. So the overall goal of the organization is to get more young people engaged. Um, We want to recruit, train, and elect the next generation of Republican leaders. So whether you want to just be more engaged on who you're going to vote for, um, whether you want to work or volunteer on a campaign, or you might even want to run for office yourself, uh, the young Republicans want to be that that tool that you can utilize to become more engaged and, and make a difference. So how are you reaching people? Is it mainly... are, are 
like are young people they do they really want to go to an in-person event or are you mainly reaching them through social channels for for us older republicans who are wanting maybe also to reach the younger people how how do we do that sure sure so it's a combination of both so we hold we hold local events that are individual chapter levels um just kind of like i mentioned before the the barbecue that we had a few weeks ago we had over 150 people there uh, you know, the, the age group varied between, you know, young Republican age, which is 18 to 40, all the way up to the pachyderms in their 90s. So um, trying to get people more engaged. We'll do the local events. We have monthly meetings where we bring in speakers. We have uh, happy hour events where people can just mingle, talk about the issues on their mind with other fellow young Republicans. And those events are held at these individual chapters all throughout the state. Wonderful. Um, all right. So we are speaking with Frank Catanzaro. He's the chairman of the Missouri Young Republicans. Frank, last time you were on with us, I think we had Mark Ellinger from Ellinger Bell in studio with us. And you talked about the ACE Act and all. We haven't heard much about that lately. But where does your membership come down on that whole idea as far as election security goes? You know, election security is probably the utmost, one of the most important issues, I think, to, to all voters, especially to our members. If we don't have secure elections, we're not a good democratic republic. So we're always paying attention to the issues at hand, especially at the state level. Our state is probably more secure than some other states are throughout the country, but there's always ways to improve that. So we're always kind of looking at new ways to ensure that we have election integrity. I think that really matters. Now, we saw Mike Pence um, drop out of the race this weekend, and I, you know... I don't think all young people are just like, well, I'm going to support the young guy. I'm going to support Vivek. But we see a little bit of that, um, some energy among younger Republicans for him. Um, but where, what are you hearing? Where are your members at as far as the 2024 race? Are they still, you know, all are they all in for Trump? Are they potentially open to someone else? Hannah was saying earlier that I think um, she's seeing a lot of social media interaction for Nikki Haley. Yeah, yeah. I would say, you know, the our membership kind of is all over the place. We actually did a straw poll. We had our Young Republican National Conference. This was young Republicans from all throughout the country. We all came together in early August in Dallas to elect a new national board. And there were over a thousand young Republicans there from all throughout the country. And we did a straw poll. And the straw poll indicated, uh, so at the time, it was uh, Ron DeSantis came in first but only by a couple percentage more than Donald Trump. So it was still very close, and I believe it was followed by either Nikki Haley and, and maybe Vivek Ramaswamy at the time. So there's still, you know, young, young people are still trying to figure out which is the right candidate. There's obviously a lot of support for the former president. Um, and at the time, there was some support for Governor DeSantis. But it's, it's been a few months since we've kind of gauged the interest of our members. And it'll be interesting to see after next week's debate kind of where those members uh, choose to kind of go to. Certainly. We've got a text from Jackie that's at 573-874-9390. And she um, said, as a former YR president, um, she wants to know about young women and their role in leading either the states or chapter level uh, in leadership. Sure. Yeah, I mean, our organization, um, that's one of our top priorities to get not only just more young people, but we want to get more more women and minority individuals involved with the organization. You know, our, our Republican Party is growing and changing in great ways. And um, I believe now more than ever, there are more women elected to Congress. I think we have more women than ever elected in the uh, state general assembly. 
Um, and we need more women running for statewide office as, as well as uh, we have, you know, we have a presidential candidate, Nikki Haley. So um, always looking to get people more involved. And that's one of our top priorities. Do you have women chapter leaders and on your board now? Was the last president a, a woman, right? Yeah, our last chairman, uh, her name was Mary Catherine. She actually was, uh, she was my predecessor. She still serves on a, on a board role here in St. Louis with me as well as on our state board. Um, most of our state chapters have women on our boards. Women have led uh, our state chapter, or I'm sorry, our uh, chapter here in St. Louis uh, numerous times over the years, especially when I've been involved. Um, my predecessor actually was a woman. Nice. Well, so if I am um, in, if I meet the age requirements, I think the only person who does that is producer Hannah right now. <laughs> um, or maybe I'm, maybe I'm listening and I have a kid who meets the age requirements and they've been talking to me about politics and I think this is a good group, you know, that I want to send them to to try to get them involved. Where do we find out more information about the young Republicans? Sure, sure. So if you want to go on, we're actually on Facebook right now at Missouri Young Republicans. We're about to launch a new website at the end of the year, but right now just check us out on Facebook. Missouri Young Republicans, find out which chapter is closest to you, and we'll get you connected between the ages of 18 and 40. Wonderful. Thanks so much for joining us, Frank. Well, thanks for having me, guys. All right. Well, uh, coming up, we are hearing that um, Secretary of State Ashcroft is on his way to Kansas City. They are having oral arguments this morning. It is time for the morning bell. Amazon is introducing a new way to pay and i'm not sure i'm usually all about the latest tech like i'm i'm an early adopter i really like the latest tech but i'm i'm still maybe just gonna write a check i think i don't know that i'm down for this and it's it surprises me because i have uh given my information out in so many different ways that this one (laughs) feels particularly offensive but amazon has this new thing called amazon one and rather than um, tapping your card or, you know, paying with your Apple wallet or whatever, um, apparently it just scans your palm. Do you, like, would you do that, Hannah? Um, I don't know. It feels like giving them your fingerprints, right? Yeah. I am surprised that that's a thing and Amazon's doing it. Yes. They How are. Are they? Uh, so I'm thinking logistically. Amazon being an online service, how are they scanning your palm? Well, they have partnerships with people like Whole Foods, so okay. it's in person. So when you go to like the self checkout or wherever that Amazon is at, you can. Um, but they basically run that service, and you hold your hand up, and it just takes a picture of the of your palm, and it knows, and that's how you pay. I don't, I can't. That doesn't seem like it. it could be very accurate either. I mean. Fingerprinting. So like the retinal scans and then opening your smartphone with your fingerprint, same kind of deal, I guess. And that's what I was thinking, John, because I, I am a sucker for skipping the line at the airport. And I always, so I do clear, and I know a lot of other people, and you can choose, I think, to do your eyes or maybe a fingerprint. And so I chose eyes. So I go to the airport. If they have clear, I look into the camera. They look in my eyeballs, and they know that it's me. And it still feels weird. But I, like, cost-benefit, I get to skip the line, so I'm like, I'm going <laughs> to do it. But at the same time, and people have asked us, you know, how did Clear, because it's a third-party contractor, how did they get the monopoly on this, you know, skip-the-line service at, at airports? And I think yeah. that's a really good question. But also, you know, how secure is your data, at, you know, with this third-party? And how secure is your data if you're giving it to the government? So I, I just... Or TikTok. 
Yeah, but I just, I don't know that, I don't know that people are ready to say, oh yeah, my, my hand works as a wallet and connecting, you know, every, all of your bank accounts or I, I assume you can connect credit cards are connected to your palm. I know people... No, almost like using the same password for every account or something. <laughs> right. Well, and I know people were freaked out when they first started doing like pay with your watch or pay with your phone. Like, could I accidentally, you know, tap something and pay for something because it's, you know, all basically Bluetooth. And so there was a lot, I think, of pushback against using your Apple wallet and tap to pay and all of that. And now it's kind of, you know, industry standard. Although the machines never quite work how they're supposed to work because you're tapping and then they're like, now you have to swipe. You're like, I did swipe. And then they're like, tap it again, you know. So I wonder how well the palm scanning works. But it is, um, I I just, I don't think I can get on board with that. And I'm wondering how fast, you know, if anyone is going to sign up for this service. I just Well, what's next? They're just going to chip us like the dog at the vet, right? I I mean, really. It's like, why don't I just get my chip, you know, inserted into my hand and then I can just tap and pay with my hand? That's kind of how this feels. Which that to me seems more reliable, I guess, than your phone scanning your palm print. I don't know. I don't, yeah, I'm not, but John, you're right, because you can open your iPhone. I mean, Hannah, do you have that? You have Face face ID on your phone, yeah, right? I do. So I guess Amazon, I mean, I have Amazon on my phone, and Apple already has my face, and Clear has my eyeballs, so I'm pretty sure I shouldn't be that What's worried left? about my, right, pretty sure I shouldn't <laughs> be worried about my palm. Well, we are hearing um, that the Secretary of State is on his way to Kansas City for oral arguments with the Attorney General's office. Um, and that they are going to be arguing these abortion initiatives case um, today. So obviously we won't get a decision for a little bit. And the abortion stuff, even for someone who follows initiative petitions religiously, it has gotten really, really tricky. And so um, because of all of the different abortion initiatives that have been filed and all of the different litigation uh, that we've seen over the abortion initiatives. Um, and so you might have seen an article, I think it was in the Missouri Independent, that abortion initiatives are back in circuit court in Cole County. Those are a new set of initiatives. And for those initiatives, my understanding is all they're seeking to do is add some limited exceptions to Missouri's um, current um, current policy. And so I- exceptions, I believe, for rape and incest. Um, the, the abortion initiatives that are, and we'll hear from Secretary of State here shortly, um, the abortion initiatives that are in uh, the courts today um, are the really far left leaning abortion initiatives. And if you recall, Cole County Circuit Court, at least on one set of them, completely rewrote the ballot uh, title in the ballot summary. And so that case is obviously headed to the Court of Appeals and we will uh, hopefully get some sort of final summary language um, here shortly. And then, and the abortion people are saying that's that's really holding us up. Um, from We've seen some of the polling, it. haven't we, that was the saying that the, the conservatives, when it comes to the abortion issue, aren't quite as conservative as, as they've been presented as. Right. And so these new initiatives that just offer the exceptions, I think we would see really high polling for that. But I mean, the, the initiatives that are in court today are so left leaning. I don't know how they've done polling and, and think that that's where our, where Missourians are because I just don't think they are there. Um, but again, the ballot, the ballot language could really matter. And a lot of people don't read the full language and they only read the hundred words printed on the ballot. And depending on how that is, uh, formulated, it, I, I think it could matter, uh, going forward. I think ultimately I expect to see at least one abortion measure on the ballot. It'll be interesting if we end up with more than one, but they still have to get out, get their ballot summary, and then get out and collect signatures. We know um, from the door knocking that they were already uh, collecting signatures 
uh, on the um, the minimum wage petition. Jobs with Justice has been out. They said people said they saw him at the Mizzou homecoming game, um, and they were knocking doors in Ashland. I I don't I haven't heard from any. <laughs> Do you think they're still knocking doors after they knocked on your door? Hopefully not. Hopefully I (laughs) I discourage them. Um, But they, they, uh, I haven't heard any other rumors, though, of any other initiatives actually out there, uh, you know, them out there collecting signatures. And they're running out of time. Those signatures have to be collected um, by May. So anyway, uh, coming up next, we're going to have the Secretary of State. Uh, We are working on getting Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft on the line. We understand he is headed to Kansas City for the appellate arguments on these abortion initiative petitions. These are the super left-leaning abortion initiatives that he wrote the ballot summary for. Um, The court re, at least in one of the cases, the court rewrote the ballot summary. Um, I think there are two cases technically up on appeal. There's also new initiatives out that are more limited. They are just simply adding exceptions to Missouri's current um, ban on abortion and those petitions I think are have been um, there's been a suit filed and yes. that is headed to Cole County um, I suspect eventually also headed to the Court of Appeals well and that's just it I mean Stephanie it is a it is a little complex so we'll try to sum it up and it's we're going to have a live interview I believe with uh, the uh, Secretary of State in a moment there are going to be some oral arguments in the case today in the Western District Court of Appeals in Kansas City Attorney General Bailey is on his way right now to Kansas City. His Solicitor General, who you know, Josh Devine, is on his way. The Secretary of State himself is going to be uh, Jay Ashcroft at that uh, thing. The case is called Anna Fitz versus James, Anna Fitz James versus Secretary of State Ashcroft. And Bailey is going to brief the, uh, the reporters apparently after the oral arguments today. But, uh, you know, there's a well. It's 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 just complex. Let's put it that way. It is fair. It's fair to say it's complex because you have all these different petitions being filed, and it's it is a, it's very hard to follow. It, it really is, unless you just spend all your time looking at these things, and who knows what's going to happen. Then get the courts involved too. And and there ultimately there could end up being more than one abortion initiative on the ballot. Uh, we've got so many different ones filed, um, and we've seen that in Missouri before. At, you know, at one, right. when we did medical marijuana, there were three separate medical marijuana initiatives on uh on the ballot so it it could it could come down to that and there's interesting rules that i think are largely unsolved in missouri about what happens if you have two competing ballot measures on the same topic at the same election um and typically the one with the most votes prevails over the other one um to the extent they conflict i believe is the rule but missouri really ever hasn't really face that question head on i thought we might with the medical marijuana but mm-hmm. um but we never ended up no, with that. We, we haven't it's a great point it's and it could happen i mean who knows we I guess technically you could have have multiple ones uh that, that that pass but um it's just not something you normally see usually it's just like riverboat gaming is a perfect example in 1992 the vote was on riverboat gaming. There was no competing measure. There was one. I'm just using that. I'll just pick a year. 1992. Term limits were on the Greg Upchurch had it. Um, and I, I can tell you the incumbents, both Democrat and Republican, did not like the idea at the time of term limits, but it passed. But there was no competing measure. In those days, and I don't know when it started, but in those days, you didn't have as many. Now it's just you have all these petitions being turned in. Um you know, on various issues. And most don't make it. We realize that. But a number do. In uh, some ballots, sometimes, especially if there's a presidential election, you could theoretically have 
mo- many, many ballot issues. It takes takes a long time to vote, uh, for sure. By the same token, I guess it shows there's interest in all these things. Well, I'm looking at the list now of how many initiative petitions have been filed so far this year. Um, and again, essentially the process is you file the the petition with the Secretary of State's office, then the Secretary drafts the ballot summary, the auditor drafts the fiscal note summary. Um, and so we see, uh, but the first step is filing it with the Secretary of State. Obviously, after they get the ballot language, they have to go collect signatures. And that's a very difficult process, which is why we see the field of initiatives narrowed um, pretty substantially. But so far this year, we're at 167 that's initiatives. Huge. I just heard from Secretary of State's office, and they've, they've have just told us Ashcroft's gone on a call right now from 830 to 9, so he's not going to be able to, to, to join us All on right. that. So that, that's that's unfortunate. But, but no, that... that that number again? 164, I believe. 167. Uh, 167. That, and it, it'd be, we'd have to verify this with the Secretary of State whenever we have him on. I'd venture to say that's probably a record. I, I don't think it is, it, You don't think it is? No. Okay. You don't think so? Yeah. I think we've had had more in the past. Uh, it's just, it's it's a staggering amount of, of, it's still, whether it's a record or not, it's a staggering amount. Well, and there are tons of different topics and ones that you might, you know, want to check out. They're, they're all posted on the Secretary yes. of State's website, which I appreciate. The latest ones were filed by Joanne Franklin, and they're titled Missouri Advanced Practice Registered Nurses for Full Practice mm-hmm. Authority. Mm-hmm. So a lot of topics to be covered, but I think, you know, I have some other outstanding questions with respect to the initiative in that um in that who does it drive to the ballot ultimately so if abortion is on our ballot you know is it getting people out to vote that normally wouldn't vote how does that affect um how does that affect overall voter turnout or is it going to drive democrats uh you know depending on what measure ends up on the ballot is it going to drive democrats to the to the polls and then how does that affect our candidates at the statewide level i don't think it matters i think we're going to elect republicans it, it creates a challenge for the voters out there because, you know, with one with ballot language that you see on initiative petitions, it can be misleading by design. And then sort of like going back to what Steph said about <laughs> medical marijuana, yep. all the different issues on the ballot. I think your voting public just ends up frustrated and confused. Well, and you've got multiple and then they're going to have to do a lot of research. And it is it is time consuming. And I know John runs into this, too. Stephanie, all of those are newsworthy. There are, but my biggest priority is focusing on Columbia Boone County news. And I know John's, as Jeff said, he called County. And then you've got this other stuff out here, too, that is very important. But I think it kind of gets neglected in a sense because we have so many other priorities going on. But I want to make one point about what you said about driving voter turnout. The Democrats thought that a right to work, right to work in 2018, it, it did. It drove union people to the polls in August Big of time. 2018. Still but, see the bumper stickers, don't you? Exactly, exactly. And there were, and, and right to work failed in even all the Republican counties. And the Democrats all believed at the time, hey, we wanted all these Repo- Democrats and unions wanted all these, you know, this right to work vote in these Republican counties, we're going to win big in November. It did not happen. They felt the same way when it happened in 2006 on the minimum wage. They thought the same thing about Medicaid expansion. Um, it may pick them up some seats. Now, abortion may be different. I don't know. But it, but if you look at the past, even though these measures that go on the ballot are more progressive, if you will, you look at marijuana, which, by the way, only passed in about eight counties, but passed statewide, right to work failed in darn near every county in the state 
you would think that that would translate into more Democratic victories if you would think that, but, but it has not. It well, is simply not, and you're right, statewide, but even at a lot of the legislative seats, it is not either. Yeah, I don't think it matters at the statewide level, but I know in the last election on the on the legislative seats, there were several several races, either for state House or state Senate, that were only separated by That's right. less than 100 votes. And so I think in those races, could it, could it play yes. a factor? I think probably. Brian, you mentioned uh, focusing right here on mid-Missouri, and I do want to say mm-hmm. um, it, it, here, uh, let's see, Oh, so they're accepting um, Columbia, the city of Columbia. If you happen to be a resident of the city of Columbia, they are accepting election petitions available to run for the second that's and right. sixth awards. And that's for the election in the spring. Um, Andrea Weiner has also uh, resigned early. And so they're currently accepting up ap- and that's in Ward 2. They're currently accepting applications and they're going to fill that vacancy. And then, of course, Ward 2 will be up for election in, in April. April. But we are always, uh, you know, one of our big things here on the show is encouraging people to get involved. Um, and so, you know, if you're in and around mid-Missouri, make sure you're watching the those election um, deadlines, um, and if you're interested in running, that you're um, talking to your clerk's office or get, or you know, finding out the appropriate information because those deadlines um, th- have moved and they can be, um, uh, they can be uh, difficult to. They're, they're easy to miss because they typically fall kind of around the holidays. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of the a lot of the people listening are so focused on what's happening with President Biden or former President Trump. All that's important. Everything in Jefferson City is important, but there is no question. In ter- terms of the daily impact on your lives, what happens in Jefferson City, when I say locally, and then you got the capital as well in Columbia, make, make, makes, a, a, makes a, big di- a bigger difference than a lot of the federal issues because those are the issues there at home. By the way, the deadline tomorrow is for people to turn in their uh, roll cart request as well for oh. Columbia. They need to get that done. <laughs> oh, no, we it, haven't it, said that word know, on the program in a while. So roll, roll carts, <laughs> I've actually had a couple people reach out complaining about roll carts uh, again. Really? Uh, I'm shocked. <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, they're, they're concerned about it. But yeah, the deadline is to select is tomorrow. Something else locally that I wanted to ask you about, Brian, was this planned explosion yesterday that went wrong. I think it was... Was it the Roachport Bridge? Oh, the, uh, the, the they had to shut down a, and John can chime in on this too, they had shut down a couple of the lanes when they did the demolition. They found, they did a, an inspection. They found some, basically some damage, maybe some debris on some of the lanes. So they, they, they closed it late. I want to say it was late Saturday night. Uh, excuse me, late Sunday, Sunday evening and yesterday, I get my days confused, and then opened it about 6 o'clock this morning. But they did not provide a whole lot of details on that. No, they didn't say a lot, but they said it damaged the bridge deck on the eastbound lane, but they had it patched up. Because it went south, and I'm thinking, like, if we are blowing things up on purpose, like, shouldn't we, like, control the debris spread? That's That was just, it sounds like something went south on that. And it seems like if we're blowing stuff up, like, we should... We should make sure we do it right, I guess. Yeah, and, and you've got a lot. And, and then they did supposedly check after they, they did when they talked about the truss. Um, the truss took much longer to get out of the river than they, they originally inspected. I don't know if the weather had something to do with it, but they did the... It, apparently, it's all, according to them, it's all safe and fixed right now. Yeah, all these the, were the piers on the old bridge is what they were demolishing that, this time. That, that's right. And, uh, and my understanding was for... Both of the lanes were closed for a while, uh, and then one lane was closed for sure. I believe it was the driving lane was closed until six o'clock this morning. But yes, that is what happened. But very, John's right. There's not. There's very little information in that release. All right. Well, we will uh, do leftovers next. We always like to talk about how, and and I know 
You guys hang with me when I get really ner- nerdy about SCOTUS oh and about boy. court opinions. <laughs> but these things really matter. Some local Mizzou students actually leftovers in the fridge. I was following this article um, from the Columbia, Missouri. And now we know earlier this year, the Supreme Court issued its opinion. Um, and this is the United States Supreme Court issued its opinion in the Harvard case, um, the Students for Fair Admissions case. And there they basically held that Harvard's college admission system didn't comply with the Equal Protection Clause. Um, and struck that down and said, uh, and basically, uh, then the attorney general, our attorney general, sent a letter to all Missouri universities saying, hey, uh, you need to, quote, immediately cease your practice of ra- using race-based standards to make decisions about things like admission, scholarships, uh, programs, and employment. Uh, and Mizzou has said, yeah, we're going to end race-based scholarships. So the Columbia Missourian profiled a few students who would be um, potentially losing out on those scholarships. Um, and Mizzou is saying that um, this year's freshman class is the last to benefit from those race-based scholarships. That kind of surprises me coming from Mizzou, especially. Well, the court said what it said. I guess so that's true. I think the attorney general has shown that if you're gonna, <laughs> uh, if, if you're gonna uh, do something unconstitutional, he's ready to take you to court, mess so. around and find out type of thing. Yes, exactly. John, <laughs> what do you have for leftovers? We have this just into us from our affiliate in Springfield, KWTO, a man who robbed a Springfield bank masquerading as Superman in September has been arrested in his home state of Mississippi. 50-year-old Scott Tyner was accused of robbing the Legacy Bank down in Springfield of 5000 bucks, And they have the photos that show him wearing his Superman T-shirt as he held up the bank. He is now behind bars, and I guess... Uh, it proved to be his kryptonite. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. I like it. All right. Uh, I've also been monitoring this case, and they've had some big wins. This is the Rockbridge Stadium naming rights case. And if you recall, um, it's uh, Wayne Sells um, donated some money to Rockbridge. They put his name, and this was many years ago, put his name on the field. It says Wayne Sells Family Activity Field. Yeah, and didn't he pay for the scoreboard, the expensive new scoreboard? I want to say it was like $100,000. Um, yeah. It was. And so he um, he made a Facebook post that they didn't like. It was about, I believe, about NFL players kneeling. And the school said, yeah, we don't like what you're posting on Facebook, so we're going to take your name off of the field. Now, he sued and said, I paid for that, um, but never had a true uh, contract. Um, and so a lot of it has been over, I, I know initially it was over, you know, was there an actual contract? I think the court initially said um, that there was because the check constituted a writing. Anyway, we're getting a little bit nerdy and it's even more nerdy. A little bit. It's even nerdier than that <laughs> in that the, the court has now um, essentially uh, dismissed the lawsuit because they said the check was actually not written by Mr. Sells, but by uh, it appears to be a business entity that he owns. Um, and so Mr. Sells personally is not the right party. Uh, Mr. Sells uh, attorneys have said, we're just going to sue with the new party. Like, we'll be back. So I just I think it's ridiculous that the school took his name off after he said something. You know, you shouldn't be having to look. Yeah, they took his money and spent it. (laughs) Exactly. I was going to say, like, if you're going to take his name off, may as well give the money back. I I would highly agree with you. John, anything else locally here for leftovers or otherwise? You know, I, I was just our whole discussion we had with Brian reference initiative petitions and all kind of rocked back to something that Caleb Rowden talked to us about and also championed. 
there's a whole idea of initiative petition reform because a lot of those issues we talked about, if the if the margin was a 60% total, a lot of that stuff wouldn't have passed. Oh, you're exactly right. And I've thought about that as well. And it's happened in other states where if, you know, the legislature was to do something now about initiative petition reform, the entire narrative is going to be, well, they're just doing it to prevent um, you know, any changes to abortion. It's all about, you know, preventing and blocking the abortion initiatives. And that's been the narrative in other states. And the other states have tried to say, no, look, we've been working on initiative petition reform for 10 years, even before the Supreme Court's decision. Um, and so this is this doesn't really have to do about, you know, it's not about abortion. It's just about initiative petition reform. But I know the minute the legislature oh, goes to sure. try to touch you. initiatives, that's going to be the only narrative. But you think, I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of people playing kind of armchair quarterback or you know looking in the past and saying after we see the 2024 ballot saying what what would have been different if we would have played nice in the legislature and done initiative petition reform and i think there are going to be many people that wished that they had done something earlier and you know if we end up with minimum wage and abortion and a couple of abortion uh, measures that's going to be I think that's going to make it tough for some people in some close races. And we know in some areas like Boone County and like um, Springfield, you know, the districts aren't as red on the local level as they used to be. So it's going to be it's going to be tough. Um, Change the playing field for sure. It really does. And I think the polling on that, I think, is so um, is so close on some of those that the difference between 50 percent and 60 percent would certainly make a difference. All right. Coming up.